Well, like I said, we have Bishop Eddie Adi here with us. He's a senior associate bishop from the United Denominations, originating from Lighthouse Group of Churches. Pastors. Sit down, sit down so I can see those who are stable. You see, a whole crowd are coming in now, so I have to wait for them to. Someone should tell them to hurry up, that they are the ones that are holding up the service. If they are passing by, you tell them that hurry up, you are holding up the service. We just gave we wee break, you've gone to chew chicken. What will you do if we give chicken break? You're going to eat an elephant. Okay, so I'll say in that. We have Bishop Eddie Adi with us. And I believe that this session is going to be a great blessing and a mighty blessing. I want us to stand to our feet as we welcome this dear precious minister, Bishop Eddie Adi. I'm supposed to preach. Do you just like? Should I go and sit down? I think you just you are just happy seeing me, and it's just enough for you. <laughs> Wow, what a blessing. Thank you, Bishop Richard Ari, for inviting me to this powerful conference. I mean, this is the conference. And um, when I see the theme, catch the anointing conference. I don't know how you can come for a conference like this and go back the same. So thank you so much for adding me, putting me somewhere on the program so I can bring you greetings. So I'm actually what I'm going to be doing is to just bring you greetings from Accra. Greetings from abroad. Yes. Wow. Fantastic. 
Bishop Richard is one of the most anointed pastors. You can find. And it's no surprise that the conference is called Catch the Anointing. It is what he has that he is throwing around. May you catch some before you go. You will catch some before you go. Thank you once again for standing where you have stood for all these years. Bringing life to the ministry that began in Kolegono and proved to the world that it can come to the UK and survive here and break through here and reach many thousands. You must be anointed to pull this up. God bless you. Live long. Prosper. Warm greetings to you from our father, Bishop Doug Heward Mills. Wow. I spoke to him this afternoon and I said, I'm coming here. And he said, oh, wow. You are more anointed. Be anointed to succeed. The way I've been brought a bottle of water, it means I'm supposed to preach for a long time. And so, Daddy sends his love. Daddy sends his warmest regards. And he sends, and I believe, his covering over us. So we are blessed to be here. And we will never be the same again. I salute all the great men and women of God that are lined up all over this place. From all over. We are humbled we are humbled by the fact that these great men and women of God will find time and space in their calendar to put us on their schedule and participate in what we are doing. And um, it's not a common thing to see somebody's assistant pastor doing a conference and founders, bishops, prophets, apostles of different denominations will come and feed from it. So we do not take it for granted. We pray, we pray that God will grant to you some of the grace and anointing that is upon the father of this great ministry, whom God has endowed, whom God has graced, and God has blessed to be a blessing to many. So God bless you for coming. May you find what you came to find. May you attract what you are seeking for. And by the time this conference is over, may you say that 
I, I have apprehended the reason for which I was invited here. God bless you. Clap your hands. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the opportunity to be here to share your word. We pray for the spirit of revelation. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Only loyal people catch the anointing. Only loyal people catch the anointing. Loyalty has rewards. And when you read Matthew chapter 25 on the story of the talents, you will hear one very common sentence that runs through when the Lord came and was rewarding his servants. And I believe this afternoon that God, or this evening, God will help us to enjoy some of those sentences. The Lord, we are told, took a journey and he gave talents to his servants. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Matthew 25 verse 14. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. How many know that this is what is going to happen when Jesus comes? After a long time, he's going to come and he's going to take account of all the gifts and talents he has given to us. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents. Saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And listen to what the Lord said. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servants. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that I received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Then he that had received one talent came and said, 
I knew you that you are an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with interest or usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May you escape such a judgment. But may you be faithful. Now that word faithful is the same word we use. The synonym of that is loyalty. Faithful means being consistent. Being constant. Being trustworthy. The man gave talents to his servants, gave gifts to the servants, and said to them to occupy till he comes, or to do business with what he had given them, and he was coming to take account of them from what they had done. But the one who had five talents was faithful. He was consistent. He was constant. He, he did what was a blessing. And multiplied it by two. May that be your story. Amen. When the Lord came, he said, well done, thou good and faithful, good and loyal, good and dedicated, good and consistent. And when you see what happened to the guy who had one talent, you can see the difference. The difference was that he didn't work with the gifts. He did nothing with what he was given and he rather had comments to make, criticisms for his leader. So you see that the man came and said, thou good and faithful. That means you who didn't work with it and had comments to make, say you are a wicked and slothful servant. So when you are not faithful, you are a wicked servant. When you are not loyal, you are a lazy servant. Because the, the accolade or nomenclature <laughs> I've just begun. I've not gone far. The choice of words were just deliberate. And, and his choice of words were not just mere peddling of the English language or, you know, as we are reading it, but he was actually describing the character that makes a person multiply what he is given. And that character is faithfulness, loyalty, being constant, being dedicated. Not when you see your leader, you have comments to make. Anybody who works with you, anybody who serves in a church, and you have critical comments to make about your leader, 
You are not faithful. I knew thee that thou art an hard man. You see, it is as the man came that he is saying it to his face. But he had had that mind all along. And he had had that idea all along. And that's how he has been seeing his leader all these years. That's why he couldn't work with what he was given. And there are people in our churches, they are not working. They are not doing anything. Because they have a mind. And tonight, I pray that all such minds will be removed from your mind. And God will put another brain inside your brain. And make you a faithful and loyal. I'm preaching from those who are ignorant. Actually, I'm just using one point. Because there's not much we can do with that book if we were to go into it. So just to let you... So those who are ignorant, I have my eight books on loyalty here. And um, those who are ignorant is here and so on. So let me just hold this one. Yeah. Those who are ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. He says, well done. Thou good and faithful. What people don't know is that it takes loyalty, faithfulness, dedication to be blessed with more than you have today. One pastor called me the other day. He said, I want you to come and teach on loyalty in my church. So when I got through my message and finished, he came to me and said, you know, when Bishop Dag was preaching about loyalty in those days, you know, some of us, and he belongs to an older generation charismatic group. So he said, some of us ridiculed it and said, loyalty is not something you teach. Loyalty is something that you command by your style of leadership. Yes. But over the years, as he has seen certain shiftings and certain movements in his system, he has come to appreciate the message on loyalty. Yes. And the Lord Jesus is actually showing us that it is one of the cardinal qualities of a minister. And that is that when he came to render account, he looked at the man who had multiplied and said, it is because of your faithfulness which means it's because of your loyalty. You know, faithfulness is used in, often in the context of marriage. So everybody knows that if you are married, you are supposed to be faithful to your spouse. Okay, but in the military, we, and I believe we are in the military, in the, in the Lord's army, they use the word being loyal or allegiance. You, are, you, are, you pledge allegiance to the lamb or you are allegiance to the flag. That means you are loyal to a cause. Now, in the military, loyalty is to the death because you know that in the army, if you are loyal to your king or loyal to your head of state, you can die for him. That's why I'm using the synonym loyalty and not faithfulness. But it's the same word, actually. It's the same word. It's the same word. That gentleman, I think, is not seeing well. 
Okay, okay. <laughs> so listen to me. Well done, thou good and loyal, thou good and faithful, thou good and dedicated. He must have been dedicated to his Lord. That in the absence of the Lord, without the Lord being there, he did what the Lord had asked him to do. There are many people in our systems, if you are not there, they will not work. If you are not, even some church members, if their pastor travels, they also travel. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if there's an assistant who is preaching, it's like he, he's, he's either a monkey or a giraffe or somebody else is preaching, not, not a man of God. The main man of God is the senior pastor, but the one who is standing in to preach for him there, he's a monkey. That's why he wouldn't go to church. And some of you are here, you have that character. And God is taking it out of your life right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So you are there, your pastor is not there. See, that's why God, Jesus, I mean, he actually took this man out and say you are good, not just good, not just good that you're able to multiply, but you are faithful. It takes faithfulness to do well in the ministry. And it takes your faithfulness and your loyalty to someone who is, and my sisters are here, you are welcome, good to see you. It takes somebody who is, <laughs> okay. It takes somebody who is loyal and dedicated to be anointed. You know, when Elijah walked with Elisha for some time and Elijah was leaving, some people think that everything na double double is a song. So we sing it passionately. And, and when we get to anointing, na double double, na double, na double, na double, na double, na double. Aha. Okay, 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 okay. Shh. But anointing is not just doubled by singing, anointing is doubled by faithfulness, by dedication, by loyalty, and by longevity. You see, being a mathematician, I like the word, the synonym of faithfulness. One of the words is constant. Constant. Because I, I liked maths when I was in school. And, and the word constant is very interesting in many equations. Because in the world, most equations are not perfect. So there's always a little constant to balance it, to make it correct. So any relationship that is mathematically represented often has either the letter C or the letter K. Uh -huh. So when they say you are K, it means you are constant. <laughs> and um, and uh, some of you who don't like maths, you, you start getting a fever as soon as they mention X, Y, Z. You, you, you just start getting the fever. But the word constant is very important because Constant, when we say somebody is constant, it means he doesn't change. If you are present, what he is in your presence, he is the same in your absence. If he says, I like you, I like your preaching, I like the way you do things, I like your leadership. When you are there and he's saying it, 
and stands up to give a vote of thanks and says, I want to thank God for our pastor, our leader, our general, our father, our papa. You know, people like to give names. Papa, Poppy, Daddy, Daddy. And they will stand and give very nice speeches about how they love your ministry, how they like you. Because you are there. As soon as they are in their homes, they are in their hairdressing saloon, they are in their school, they are with their common friends, they don't say it that way. So that's why you see the guy, he told the Lord that I knew you. You see, I knew it's in the past. So it means all the time that you are relating with your pastor, you, you have the mind that he's an austere man. He's, he's Armstrong. He doesn't dash things. He doesn't give things easily. And, and he, he's, he's very some way. And then he likes to take what people have worked for. Then he takes it and puts his name on it. So it's like a monkey will work. And then he as a baboon will come and eat it. <laughs> so when he said that, I knew you that were a hard man. That was the mind he had. And it was, he didn't say it when he got the money. He looked at the money, analyzed it a bit and said, no. Look at him. He has given some people five, some people two, and me, he gives only one. What, what kind of man is this? But he didn't say it to his face. So when they say somebody is constant, it means that what he says in your absence, what he says in your presence, the good things he says about you, when you are not there, he will say the same good things about you. It's been 37 years now since I've been working with Bishop Dykewood Mills. Yes. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, and I keep praying always for my heart when I say it, I've never sat with anybody, nor texted anyone, exchanged text with anyone, of things that I cannot text when he's there or say it in his presence. To me, as I live now, what I know, he is the most anointed person that is walking on earth right now. Yes. He is. Powerful. If there's something negative that I've never said so, I wouldn't say it behind him. And if I can't say it in front of him, then I wouldn't say it in his presence. And if you, God blesses you to work, work with an anointed person, you have to have that heart and that character. Otherwise, you will never be able to multiply the talent you have and the grace you have. And the anointing on him will never come upon you. When you analyze Elijah and Elisha, the Bible says Elisha walked with Elijah from, let's go, let's go, because 2 Kings. Chapter 2. Yes. Mm. Is somebody coming along? Yes. Turn your Bibles to Second Kings.
chapter 2. We read from verse 1. Good. It says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, underline those, those sentences, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord would take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and rubbed it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the Jordan, the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he, he also has smitten the waters, he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. They were even wrong. But they didn't know it at that time. They should have said, a double portion of Elijah's spirit is on Elisha today. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Anybody who has laughed at you before 
one day will we'll start to honor you. Yes. Those who laugh at you and say you are nothing and you are not, you will not amount to anything will be shocked at what will happen as you keep working on. Yes. It takes a long time. You look at the journey. The Bible says when they got to, they were in Gilgal and Elijah said, the Lord has sent me to Gilgal, so stay here. I think Elisha must have read history because we don't, we don't recall that he was there. But Elijah had a servant before. And that servant was the guy who Elisha instruct, Elijah instructed him to pour water into the sacrifice when he was going to bring fire on the Mount of Carmel. Do you remember that servant? What is his name? What is his name? What is his name? You know the answer, but you are afraid to say it. We don't know his name. We don't know his name because he did not stay long enough. I'm sure when he heard that Jezebel had threatened his father and Elijah got to look at 1 Kings 19, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3 actually is the verse, but verse 1, where's the guy? Where's the gentleman? First Kings 19. Where's the man? Mr. Man. And they have told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and withal how he has slain all the prophets with the sword. Verse 2. And then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them tomorrow about this time. So Jezebel threatened Elijah. Then verse 3. And when he saw that he arose, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. That is Elijah, the prophet who brought fire down. And came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. And that guy stayed. So when Elijah heard that, I'm the Lord has sent me to Bethel, so stay in Gilgal. He said, as long as the Lord liveth, and as long as thy soul liveth, which means that, <laughs> I don't know when the Lord's soul will die, but even if the Lord's soul doesn't die, he's saying that you, Elijah, if your soul doesn't die, as long as it is alive, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. That's is being constant. That means that the years will come and the years will go. But the guy who is loyal and faithful, he remains the same. And Elijah said, stay in Bethel. Now they go to Bethel and he said, stay in Bethel. And the man said, Elijah, Elisha said, as long as the Lord liveth and as long as thy soul liveth, I will never leave you. So that's my resolve. As long as the Lord liveth and, and God doesn't die, and as long as the soul of Bishop that he was mills liveth, I, I intend by the grace of God to stay and stick with that man. It takes walking, staying with an anointed person for years. Anointing is not just 
I double, double, you sing then. Suddenly everybody goes home with double anointing. Elijah's, Elijah's first seven, he, he, was, he was left at Bathsheba. Not knowing that Gilgal was going to come up. Not knowing that Bethel was going to come up. Not knowing that Jericho was going to come up. Not knowing that Jordan was going to come up. Not knowing that there will be a crossing of the Jordan. And not knowing that it is after the Jordan has been crossed that Elijah will be taken up to heaven. And it will take somebody who is there at that point for the person to receive a certain anointing. May you be able to get to the point, to the point, to the point, to the point. By the way, do you know that when God sent Elijah to go and select Elisha to be a prophet in his room, he put this same mantle on him. The first time Elijah saw Elisha, Elisha was a businessman. And he was plowing in a 12-man partnership. And when he saw him, the Bible says he threw his mantle upon Elisha. But Elisha knew that this mantle that has been put on me is not the finality. It's not the end. Sometimes when you come into contact with a man of God, a small mantle of his can fall upon you, but it doesn't mean you are finished. The journey for the anointing takes years, takes longevity, takes staying long, staying with the person for years. There are a lot of people just be in the church for, say, I'm here two years. By all means, something has rubbed off on me. I can preach a little. I can cast out devils a little. I can heal the sick. Then from that time, you stop walking and following this great servant of God. We are looking at, we are in a conference organized by a man. He's not a senior, he's not a founder of a ministry. He's a follower of his father and a follower of his anointing and a follower of his grace. That's what has gathered us here. And it hasn't been by just one year or two years or four years or even five years or even ten years. People get tired when they are following. And people easily give up when they are following someone. You look at the journey carefully. It was Elijah who was telling Elijah, stay behind. Even the person who is anointed himself is even trying to let you stop your journey in following but you see if you are faithful you are loyal you are dedicated you know what you are looking for no matter what even that senior pastor will say or do to you you will continue walking you will keep walking on you will keep working on as long as his soul liveth. so i came today to tell you that be faithful to the very end i tell you because the exchange of anointing and the double portion, it doesn't come on you just because you are in the denomination. Those of us who are in the united denomination originating from the lighthouse group of churches, eh, we, we, we have to learn very hard because just being in the denomination is not enough. There was a pastor one day who, through Bishop Dahuad Mills' writings, he had never met Bishop. You know the guy. Is that no Bishop Kwajima? Yeah, in Tanzania. His church was suffering. I think there must have been like 600 at the time. 
with a lot of orangus. Do you understand when we say orangus? An orangu is a disloyal element, a rebellious pastor, a critical member or pastor. People criticize everything. You have something to say. Your pastor preaches. He preaches this too much. He does this. You are an orangu. Oranguism <laughs> is the phenomenon. Yes. Yes. And orangulization is the process whereby a person becomes an orangu. Yes. Orangulogy. Is the, is the study, you know, is the study of oranguism and orangulizations. It, it, it is the set of teachings that exposes orangus, deals with orangus, shows you what they are, shows you what they are doing, and shows you how to counteract their behavior. Oranguistic is, is an adjective because somebody can be more oranguistic or oranguistic, more oranguistic, and most oranguistic. Orangulize is the verb because when you are orangulizing it means you are doing the action of a rebellious pastor or a some way person <laughs> so what i'm doing tonight yes is a branch or a part of orangulogy yes so that by the time you live here you yourself will not be one and you yourself will not be infected by the virus. Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams in Accra, he often says that, you know, my son Joel is very, is now he's caught the virus. That means that he's got the anti-Orangu virus. <laughs> That's how he describes him. It's a type of virus. But I pray for you that you can be like Elisha. No matter what happens, and it's not just in the face, but in the spirit, you never leave your senior pastor and the anointed person God gives you. If you are here and you serve under a pastor, you are a branch pastor, let your heart be connected to the anointed person you are following. Even if that anointed person's anointing is not what you are, you are going to carry. You need that in your spirit. That I never fought my senior pastor. I never left him. I never broke away. I never dissociated myself with him. No matter what has happened to him. Sometimes we are with somebody till maybe something happens to the ministry. Maybe happens to his person. Maybe his marriage goes down. His wife disappears. <laughs> and then you see us church members and pastors 
saying that the anointing has departed from him. And often we say the anointing has departed because our marriage is together, but his marriage is not together. So the Lord is not with him. But Elijah said, Elisha said, as long as the Lord liveth, and as long as your soul liveth, I will never leave you. Even if you are trying to let me stay behind, I am with you to the very end. There are so many pastors who leave their pastors sometimes first from their hearts. They leave from their hearts. I'm following you. I don't have any bad intention. Today you say, I should stay here. Okay. I will stay. No. I've been even with Bishop when he has said some things. Sometimes to test even a person. Then the person just... I remember one pastor who was saying that Bishop says he should go abroad. He was in Ghana. Then said, oh, he, should, he wanted to go abroad. said, oh, he wants to go abroad and go and do. He said, oh, okay, you should go. So he came to see me. Oh, he went to see Bishop. Bishop said he should travel. He should go because he prefers to live abroad and all that. He wants to go and hustle and make it. And Bishop said, oh, okay, then you should go. When he came to see me, I said, eh? Hey. You shouldn't go anywhere at all. In fact, that's not what he means. <laughs> he was very, he was, he was so excited that Bishop had advised him that he should go. So when he came to see me, I said, hey, no. Knowing where you stand by his side, if you go and see him, you, want, you tell him that you have a desire, you want to live abroad, you want to go there, hustle and, and make it, and he says go, it doesn't mean go. And if he had gone, he would have stayed in Gilgal. If he had gone, he would have stayed in Bethel. If he had gone, he would have stayed in Jericho. If he had stayed in Jericho, he would not, he would not, he would not have had a chance to go to Jordan. If he had stayed behind the banks of the Jordan, where the 50 prophets, even other people can even prevent you from continuing to follow your anointed person. You see, there are some of you in the United Denominations, sometimes you feel shy to even feel, oh, okay, you know, our church, maybe the deliverance, a certain way of doing deliverance, a certain way of doing prophetism. You feel shy. So there are some people even that they go for all nights in other people's churches to experience a certain type of ministry. Or you feel shy of your own church. So there are 50 sons of the prophets who were telling you that stay here with us. And sometimes you are in one church the every day Thursdays, you have a prayer meeting at another church. Friday night, you have an all night in another church. Saturday morning, you have turning point in another church. Yes, and Friday, uh, Sunday afternoon, after your morning service, you go to another church for fellowship with another prophet. And he says it's not a church. And you are following all those things are calculated to prevent you from getting that grace and anointing that is on the anointed man you are following. 
And if you don't think that that father you are following is anointed, then you are sick. You are not well. You can't be in the United Denominations of Lighthouse Chapel International, Master Seed, Kodesh Family, Lighthouse Chapel International, Mission, uh, huh? First Love. You wait, oh. You wait. And then you have a great father like Bishop Dagwood Mills. But that's not whom you want to follow. You want to rather follow another man of God you see on YouTube. Because you are more inclined towards his style of ministry. And I'm saying to you tonight that you are not well. You are not well. I'm diagnosing your sickness tonight. You are not well. And to help you to diagnose the sickness, I'm taking you to how you can detect when you are not walking on that path. How you can notice it when you are not on the correct path. As soon as you see certain signs and symptoms, you must tell yourself that all is not well with me. Yeah. You live in the UK. You see, when you are going on the, on the, um, the underground, there's always an announcement. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Now, you see, when you are happy, you, you, you can easily not mind the gap or you will not hear <laughs> when you are happy. I remember once I was standing on the platform and I saw an old classmate of mine in secondary school in Kumasi Prempe College. And he was, he was in the tube and it was about to go. When I saw I said, hey! And he screamed, hey! He also saw me scream. Now, the fact that you are happy doesn't mean that you shouldn't mind the gap. And often, what happens in a church is that when people are happy, they, 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 they are happy here. They are not careful. Yes. They are just happy. Everything is okay. They shout. When you preach, they say amen. They stand when you are preaching. They shout when you are preaching. They come forward when you are preaching. All that is good. But as you are coming forward, mind the gap. Yes. Mind the gap because something can take you out of that path you are following something a hurt a wound so i want you to see it because it's very important you see medical science has advanced so much and in the in the parts of the world where they are able to detect things quickly they help people to stay a little longer like japan i think their life expectancy is around 82 or 90 or something i mean it's like if you are in japan she said, you are too, you, you die very young. You are 85. Yeah. Because they even have toilets. As soon as you download and you flash, it sends an email to your doctor. All the major statistics of, okay, urine, this thing is this, this one is this, this one is this, this one is this. So every day, your doctor is being told what is happening to your body because they are able 
You want to go to Japan, isn't it? I mean, there are some countries, even when you take your stool or urine for test, it will take about two weeks before they will accept it. And another two weeks before they test it. And another two weeks before you get your results. By the time they detect that something is wrong with you, you are already on the way. You will live and not die to declare the works of God. Yeah. Elijah, Elijah stayed long enough until, 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 until. He says, I like the anointing on your life so much that I want it two times. If it can be upon me, let it do two times the job. And I remember one day I was watching my bishop preaching and I spoke in my heart. I said, Lord, if you like me, give me some of the grace that is on this man of God. My eyes were following him everywhere. I was enamored with the grace that was on his life. The teaching anointing. It was at a camp meeting. Now, I'd never preached at a camp before, but at that, I prayed in 1997. I said, Lord, if you are happy, give me something, that thing that is on this man of God. I want some of it. Yes, I liked it. And it's not an event. And because you desire an anointing, okay, everybody who wants an anointing, come for a last prayer. That's your little way and very, if you like, immature way of getting an anointing or grace upon your life. That The only way is that you come for it, they pour oil on your head and then you are going off. They can pour oil on your head till your whole hair is wet like you are in a rain. It takes not just the event of hands being laid on you. It takes years of hard following. I say we are in a conference of a hard follower to catch the anointing. It takes years. Years of admiration. Years of love. Years of obedience. In the big things and in the small things. It takes years of submission and humility. Yes. Of staying in your rank. Yeah. Of going when they say you should go and come when they say you should come. It's not just an event of slapping you with, an, with oil or slapping you with a towel. They say, bring my towel. Praise God. Today, anointing is going to fall on someone. Somebody here is going to receive the anointing. In the name of Jesus, I tell you something. I see them, I see them, I see them. They are 21 people. God is putting my anointing on them here right now. Those 21 people, let them come forward. So you run. You see stampede. And they say 21, but there will be about 251 people here. Until the ushers cannot even control the crowd. And the man of God is even in danger. Then he will start slapping people. They are pie. Pie. Oh, you should come. I will slap you with my towel. I'm telling you that it's not an event. And if you see an, an anointed man of God, it takes years. Look, I was listening to Oye Depo, the man with the largest 
one single sitting church in the world in Nigeria. He said he had followed Papa Higgin for so many years and had read virtually all his books. Yes. You are following an anointed man of God. You say you don't read all his books. You don't listen to all his messages. If he comes within range, you will listen. So within ranges, he's in your congregation. He's preaching where you are, so you listen. And that is why we are blessed in the UD to have the podcast. The podcast, audio podcast, video podcast, are to put us in direct contact with the anointed person. Because when you can't see the person, but you can hear and you can watch, it's, almost, it's about the same. Oye Depo said, I had followed Papa Hagen for so many years. He said he took a journey to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to have a direct contact. But he, had, it, he had admired him for years. It was not the first time. Read, read all his books. He said if there's any manual for ministry, eh, Papa Hagen's book, Following God's Plan for Your Life, was his manual. And it was not only that book. Several books he has read and several messages he had listened to. So he took his journey and he went. He said he was there sitting in the gallery like some people are upstairs there listening to the man. Wait, wait, wait. Don't worry. You scream. Don't worry. (laughs) He said while he was sitting in the gallery watching the man of God, he says, I followed his every movement. Then I understood what was happening to me in 1997 at that camp meeting at the Great Hall. As I also followed the man of every, and I followed him for years till 1997. And my eyes were still following him every movement. Because he said, because when you're in a prophetic service, sensitivity is the only way to maximize your portion because yours can come to you by a smile from the prophet. And yours can come to you by the waving of the hand. And yours can come to you, he says, as you are in the service and the man of God is, is, you have to be all eyes and all ears. He said, while I was sitting up there, my heart full of admiration and hot desire, I spoke in my heart. Whatever makes Hagen Hagen, I want it. Whatever makes Hagen Hagen, I want it. That's what he spoke in his heart. And he says, on that day, on that, in that desperate hour, something was fired up to him as he sat in the gallery. And he began to sob like a baby. He said, but I'm not emotional by any chance. But he was crying. And then he heard a voice that said, from today, the baton has been passed over to you. That's what Papa... Uh, uh, Bishop Oedipo said, the baton has been passed over to you. He left without even meeting him face to face. He left Tulsa and came back to Nigeria. So, to catch an anointing from someone is not just an event or a quick fix. As in, I've listened to 22 tapes or 10 tapes by now. I should have got some. Since I'm not getting anything, let me just drop it. It's not as simple as that. It takes years of hard following. Never stopping it. When I see my own father, how he follows Papa Hagen. Up till today, Papa Hagen died 2003 or so. Eh? 2003. Up till today, 
he listens, he's following, he has not stopped following this person whose anointing he has already been caught and has done so many things with it already. I mean, if, I mean, at this stage, even if it doesn't do anything again, I think it's powerful. So what will he be looking for? Because you never follow, you never stop following somebody who is anointed for your life. I want to help some people here because some of us have sicknesses that are festering. Yes. Some of the symptoms that are on you, you are not taking them seriously. And, and there are things that have the... They, can, they are calculated to eliminate you from the group of people who will be anointed with a certain grace. And I came to tell some of you in the UD that you have a father who is very anointed. You can see a son who is very anointed with that same anointing. And it's unmistakable. But like the disciples of Jesus, he multiplied 5,000 loaves and fed them. And then they were on the boat that same evening. They were going and then Jesus was walking on the water in the night. And the Bible says, they, when they saw him, they said, it's a ghost. And the Bible says they did not believe or they did not understand what he was doing. When Jesus came, he rebuked them for their hardness of heart. It's like you have seen me multiply bread. And yet when I come to you and I'm walking on water, you say it's a ghost. It's me, it's me. I am the same person who multiplied the bread. It's not a ghost. But because of the hardness of your heart, you cannot understand that the same person who multiplied bread has the same has ability to walk on water. Because sometimes when we are with somebody, look at the churches that have been built. There's not, there are not many men of God living today who have achieved the things that he has achieved. The number of church buildings that stand to his ministry. There are not many men of God that have written books that are read. Well, a lot of people re- write books, but nobody reads them. They buy them to encourage the writer, but they don't read them. Everybody writes. Solomon said of the making of many books, there is no end. Nobody reads. But these books, they are like magic. People are blessed. Ministries are changed all over the world. You can see, open your eyes, open your eyes, open your eyes. One of the largest campuses in the world has been built by him in a country where development is not common. Open your eyes and see it because you can be part of the denomination, but you are not seeing well because of the hardness of your heart. Look, let me quickly give you the symptoms because if I don't, I won't finish now. Yes. Are you there still or you've gone home? Yeah. I'm preaching from chapter 5. Yeah. Because some of you have this, but you don't read them. And when they preach, you feel that you know what is being preached. And I've been in the church, pastors, long-standing men of God, 
perhaps would have been even bishops if they were still around. Being caught up because you can be around and, and certain things are growing in you. But you don't, you don't admit it or you don't even see it coming until you are infected and affected even to death. That you will not die now. So one of the signs, I'm talking about signs, how you can detect when disloyalty is coming upon you. Or how you can detect when you are being moved away from the direction of the anointing. Because the same thing that is taking you out or making you move and become disloyal is the same thing that's going to make you disloyal. You will become like that wicked and slothful servant instead of the good and loyal ones. But you will not become disloyal in Jesus' name. Number one, a leader or a person who disappoints you in times of pressure or crisis. Yeah. If you're a pastor, your church is moving from place to place, there's no, then the person who is with you doesn't come around because today there's no meeting place, tomorrow there's nowhere to meet, you meet at a bus stop, you share the grace, you part. When that person disappears, it's a sure sign that his heart is not with you. Ah, if you are married and you don't have a place to stay and your wife goes to her mother and says that when you get a house, I'll come. When you get a house and she's coming, will you be happy? <laughs> So watch out for people who disappoint you in times of crisis. If you have a marital challenge and the person who has been listening to you preach turns against you and starts even saying things like you call yourself a man of God. Even your marriage cry, you can't put it together. You, you, you can see that it's not just it's not just anointed men of God who, look, you can be the most anointed person, but marriage is very complex. A lot of women don't understand marriage. Please, this is only point one, so let me continue. Especially pastor's wives. So there's a very nice book. Beauty the beast and the pastor. It's only for pastors, pastors' wives. If you are not a pastor, you are not supposed to read it. Those of you who are trying to read it, you are out of order. You are not yet a pastor. You are not a pastor's wife. You won't understand the thing. So put it down and stop reading it. A lot of, they don't, they don't understand marriage. They think, you are married to a man of God. You are a co-pastor, co-whatever. And sometimes the pressure of American ministers with a picture perfect. Hi, my husband, my husband and I, you know, we're going to have this convention and people are coming from all over the place. They are coming from Florida. They are coming from, oh, Kai. The husband wants to tell her to shut up, but because of the public thing and the picture-perfect presentation. Yeah. A lot of pastors suffer because 
Sometimes when you're a pastor, your wife feels that you, you cannot, you don't want to be publicly disgraced, so they can pepper you in the room. And you don't have anything to say. No, it's how you feel like one lady told her husband that, ah, you are the one who lose your anointing if you like go and do something. And that they can come, you are preaching, then they are squeezed their faces. Because things were not happy in the church. And the way the church members are standing up and they are singing your praises and they are clapping like a powerful man of God. They don't know how you are in the room. Then, then she there, she'll be in front, sitting by on a chair that she has been given. And squeeze her face. And, and you can see that they have squeezed their face at you. I don't know why you young, uh, you are, I don't know some of you people who, I don't know whether you are pastor's wives or young, I don't know why you are laughing even. It was a very serious matter. <laughs> One pastor told the wife, he was preaching, uh, he got to the place where the wife, because she has squeezed her face throughout. Get up. To the back. Yeah. Go to the back. <laughs> Listen. Number two, I'm talking about how to detect it. So find when you are somebody who has rejected or gone away when your pastor or the church has been in some kind of crisis. Check yourself that it's one of the major signs. Number two, leaders who disappoint you when they are under pressure. You have, you're under pressure, marital pressure, financial pressure, and then you suddenly, we don't see you. There are some pastors who disappear. They leave post. When you can say, oh, I went to see some, you know, I needed some money to buy, pay my rent and whatever, so, you know, you won't even say. You just disappear. Because you are under pressure. It's a bad sign. Hey. Oh, actually, I needed to go away a bit because, you know, some guy that I had a deal with and all that, and, you know, he went to call the police, and the police, you know, are coming for me and all that, so I had to just balance myself. So when you are in such a situation, why wouldn't you even tell your senior pastor for him to know about you? You have just disappeared because you are under pressure. Police are coming for you. You've run away. <laughs> Your creditors are coming for their money. You run away. You see some worship leaders. You are very happy, everything. When you have a challenge in your relationship, then you don't want to come and sing. When I got married, I told my wife that, look, me, I've been called by God. Ah, so, this your moodiness that you have brought this Sunday morning, I'm not going to follow it. Because I'm going to lead worship and praises. I have to be happy when I go. Sometimes we are driving to church. Then you see that her eyes are here and my eyes are here. I, I'll be looking straight. When I get up, I go. And then I'll go and do my things. Eh. 
When we are not happy, you, you are happy. <laughs> because I cannot disappoint. I can't let your moodiness affect my flow in the church to do work that I've been given by my senior pastor. I cannot allow it. We are not happy, you are happy. Why should I follow your unhappiness? I'm happy, I will be happy. Because there's no problem. I don't even see what the problem is. There's no problem. Hey. Sometimes everything is working. So even when we got married, we used to have something we call PPQ, which is pre-preaching quarrels. Every Saturday it comes. (laughs) And some of you pastors, you don't know how to handle it because you'll be wondering, where does this thing come from on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening? It's an evil spirit. It is called pre-preaching quarrels. Yes. And sometimes... When the church has been very nice, attendance is good, atmosphere great. After the service, then another one comes. We call that one post-preaching quarrels. May the Lord deliver you from pre-preaching quarrels, preaching quarrels, and post-preaching quarrels. So those of you who like, you are in a little pressure, some small feeling you have, you are having your period. Do you understand? Your, your period has come. And your, your premenstrual tension or premenstrual stress or facial expression has come. You are supposed to be a greeter, an aquaba lady or some kind of this thing. You have made yourself like an idol. When people are coming, you just say, It's like me, I'm not happy. I don't feel like talking to anyone or smiling to anyone. It's a bad sign. You are like Jezebel. May the Lord deliver you from Jezebelism. In the name of Jesus. Number three, leaders with moral weaknesses constantly living in sin. Because once you are in rebellion against God, it won't be long you'll be in rebellion against your senior pastor. Because even God cries, you're not afraid of him. What about a man who is just saying that he is anointed? God cries, you can violate and live constantly in rebellion. Soon your heart will become hard. May God deliver you from it. Number four. Leaders who have financial weaknesses. Judas was a thief. The Bible says Judas was a thief. And had the bag. And used to steal from the bag. So it was very easy for the enemy to get him when he's looking for somebody to betray Jesus for money. They will get the one who is always stealing money. If you are an asha, you are stealing from the offering. Careful. And please watch ashes when they are taking the offering. 
so that they become a bit alert. Oh, Bishop, what are you saying? The man is just doing God's work. Nobody has some thieves. One guy, he told his friend, he met another friend. He said, oh, how are you? He said, how is this your friend? He said, oh, he's very good. Oh, now yeah, he has money. He said, why? He said, oh, he's an usher. <laughs> he's an usher in the church. If you have a balcony like this one, there are blind spots. When the guy is going down, his back is towards them there. When he's coming down, there's some small blind spot there when he's turning. Before he rises. God forbid, God forbid, God forbid. But in our own church, at the Kodesh at the time, there was a young man, very faithful, we thought. When you have a wedding outside the cathedral, somewhere in town, he will be there. He will be there helping, organizing everything, ushering, taking money, everything. It was so good that we even recommended him, Bishop recommended him in a message. A few weeks before and a few weeks after, there he was taking from the offering. Unfortunately for him, he went for the fat one, which contained some dollars. So when he picked the fat one, it, unfortunately for him, the one who gave it said, oh, I had this amount of dollars and I put it in the offering. So we called. So um, the dollars that came, have you put it at the right place? With dollars. We didn't see any dollars in the offering. Today there were no dollars. Ah, so investigation, investigation, there he was. It fell on him. So he explained. He had gone, the cathedral had the Adley Chapel, which was a bit away, and there were people in there. It was a convention. So when they gave the offering, he balanced himself that he was going to take. Meanwhile, there were ashes already who were there taking offering, but he, he made like he's also going to collect because maybe they are not enough. Then he went through the back, pocketed, just picked only one, put it in his pocket, and then he went. So they found him out. He confessed it. He said the money was home. Only he had spent 300 that day. I mean, between when he took the offering from church till he got home, he had been able to spend $300. It's so, okay, you bring our $300. When we took the, the, the balance of 1,700 or whatever the amount was. He said, oh, there's also one more thing. that There are other ones. So he showed us a spot in his room that his wife didn't know about, where there were monies, dollars, euros that he had collected from the offering that were there. So he spends them small, small, small. So he did. The church is his main business. So from today, watch your ashes. You, you see that after some time, they'll say, oh, they are going to another church. When they see that they are about to be found out, they'll start leaving. <laughs> Number five, leaders who are worldly. If you are worldly, you like the things of the world. Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. 2 Timothy 4.10. Number six, leaders who think they can do what you are doing 
better than you are doing it. If as I am preaching, if let's say I'm preaching now, you think in your head that, ah, but this message I've preached it before, it was more powerful than yours. You are the person I'm talking about. And it must immediately enter your spirit that a disease, a virus, an orangu virus is infecting you. Deliver yourself from it. Look, a lot of our pastors are up and coming. We are, they are doing well. Not everybody knows all the Bible. Even men of God, sometimes they, one man of God, he, he, he preached a whole series on the wrong chapter. I mean, a whole sermon of one hour. I think he didn't look at the Bible. I don't know. I was listening to him on radio. So when he said it was on these virgins, the ten virgins, and he quoted something, look something, or mark, wrong, and he didn't go back. So he continued and preached her to the end. Did he preach or not? He had preached. The fact that you have given the wrong reference, so that people may be flipping their Bible eyes, that, ah, the story, you know, where is it, where is it, where is it? Because he, 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 he gave the chapter and the, the, the chapter, and then he started giving the story without actually reading the thing. And gave all his revelation based on the wrong reference. <laughs> a, a great man of God. If I mention his name, you'll be shocked. But he's still a great man of God. It doesn't matter. Chapter and verses were all given basically when the writers started to do chapter. But if it gets it wrong, it doesn't mean that his message is totally wrong. The revelation was correct. The story was true. It's in the Bible. The reference was wrong, but it doesn't make it false. And when you sit down there for the, ah, this man, you know, I wish I was the one preaching. I would have given the correct reference. That's why you have not been given that chance. Because what it takes to rise to where he is, you don't have it. You don't have it. But thinking to yourself, somebody is preaching, you can preach better. It doesn't mean that you can preach better. Shut up, be humble. And study quietly on your own. So that one day when they call you, you won't disgrace yourself. <laughs> now this small boy, what is he saying? A small boy. Look at where I'm standing and preaching. I'm standing not in my country. I was in my country when I was called to come and preach here. Have you been called to come to your, uh, somebody's country to preach before? That day, I was lying on my bed. I got two calls, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. A pastor from Kenya said, I want you to come to my church. Then that evening, a pastor from here said, come and preach in my church. And before the day was over, I got a call that I'm coming for this conference. I said, wow. If you hear me preaching, you say, ah, the message you are preaching, I can preach it better. They should call you here. Do you, do you know how, it, how long it takes to walk from where you are, you are sitting to come up to this platform? <laughs> you, you, you think it's 20 meters. You think it's 30 meters. You think it's 40 meters. It's years. 
And there are people in our churches, some of our pastors who are sitting here, there are people on your elders board sitting in front. When you are preaching, they are taking notes and on the side they are writing, oh, this, this, there are other schools of thought. Yeah, there are other schools of thought. Then you give a point. They write that. They are writing notes, but beside the notes, oh, this is theologically inaccurate. Then, then when you finish your sermon and you, you are concluding, it's homiletically jumbled up. Homiletically doesn't follow a sequence. You are sick. Anybody with that condition, there's a problem on his life. Number seven. Any leader or person, any member of the church who is prepared to attack his own father or senior in the ministry. Watch out for people who go for these committee meetings and stand up to speak to the pastor in a, in a, in a, in a disrespectful manner. You see, when you are in a church and there's a meeting and the senior pastor is present, he is the authority of the house. If he's a branch pastor, he is the authority of the house. Nobody in that church, in that meeting, has the right to point fingers at him and speak or shout or scream or shut him down. And if you are in the meeting and somebody gets up like that, you should talk to the person and say, hey, brother, we, we cannot do that here. This is our, our daddy, this is our pastor, this is our senior here. You can't speak that way in the church. And there are several meetings. There's a shepherd's meeting. Some people can even have a problem and say, Pastor, we want to have a meeting with you. You can't call a meeting and call your father into the meeting. You can't have a meeting and say, we want to tell you something that we have all gathered that we are not happy about something. We need to address it with you. Hey! What do you mean? And it, it happens. You see, these churches, especially churches with committees or people whom you have elevated that you are some board of something or trustees of something or you know senior shepherds of something they've called you senior shepherds so you have the audacity to address your senior pastor you are out of line hey. sometimes you can have somebody in the church a pastor is speaking then you just get up and you walk out now you may not think that you are attacking your father but you are attacking your father it's an attack. Sometimes based on your body language, the pastor, is, he feels attacked in the pulpit. He cannot even preach well. When you are in a service, even your face, sleepy eyes, body language be... When they say lift your hand, you are you, 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 as if... You know, and, and that way, sometimes what you don't know is that you are intimidating the pastor. You are fighting him from the stands. And sometimes you have a group of friends who have that same mind. So as the pastor is preaching, your group and your clique, they have an attitude. Look, watch out for such people and point them out and say, you people, when their pastor is preaching, the way you make your face is not nice. And in some way, you better change. Because you see a pastor, he's always preaching here. He's afraid to go here because there's a cantankerous wife in the front 
and all her women's fellowship people at her back. Oh, you see, the pastor has always said, you know, the Lord is really moving today. I really want to share something with you. That will be a blessing. You know, praise the Lord. And um, as we are preaching today, God, it's like there's a barrier on this side. From tonight, we break every side barrier. And I command you to cross it. You need to feel free. Your pastor is preaching. You can't send him a text as he's preaching that I'm not happy with your preaching. So that by the time he finishes his message, it is waiting for him. So next time he comes to preach, he'll be thinking to himself that what is Sister Agi thinking as I'm preaching? What is she thinking? Anybody who is prepared to attack your father, you are a very dangerous orangu in the making. May God deliver you tonight. And I'm saying this, when you find it in yourself, cure it! Yes. I don't know which number I'm on. You see, this is what Absalom did. Absalom, the man who overthrew his father. David was lamenting. He says, my own son seeketh my life. Number eight. Wounded leaders who have never recovered from their hurts. People who get hurt and they never recover. If you are in a church and you get hurt, I can't say that you never be hurt. That, that will not be. I don't think it's possible that you... But you can also get to a place where you don't get hurt. It's a place. You can get to a place where you don't get hurt. <laughs> yeah. You should be able to get to that place where, I, what's your name? Morel. Morel. I can use you as an example. I can talk about you or say something you have done, which is a good example for my preaching. Even though you are there, you are a very good example of a bad example. So allow me to use it. But many pastors are, you see, sometimes when somebody is there, you are, see, I remember one day, um, then you, 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 your eyes meet somebody, they say, hey, this person is here, oh. And what has happened? The person has spoiled your preaching. Because the example you should have given eh, would have been the best example to explain the scripture. Everybody will understand it. And the people of God will be liberated. But because you saw the person's face. Yeah. There are some of you here. You are a church member. You are even almost a, a shepherd. But you are always sleeping with people in the church. You see, when I was preaching, a person who has moral weaknesses, that would be a very good example. That I remember a brother. Yes. Three sisters brought him to me. Then you give the good, then he is the one. He's in the church. But you can't use it. So a lot of us, our preaching is restricted. God told Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Yes. Because when you are afraid of the faces of people, you can't preach well. I'm glad the light is shining on my face so I cannot see your faces. So I can preach to you the way I want to preach. (laughs) 
Wounded leaders who have never recovered. Recover. May the balm of Gilead soothe your heart. Whatever has been a pain, a hurt, may it be healed. In the name of Jesus. Hurts and offenses are the most powerful viruses that can eliminate you from a group. You are happy in the church until you get hurt. That's why I say, mind the gap. When you are happy, you don't think that you ever be rebellious and fight against the church. But the day can come when you get hurt. You'll be surprised at things you'll say about us. One brother, he said, we are using juju. Do you understand? We are, we are using juju. Now ask him that, which, which medicine man did we go to? When you are hurt. When you are happy, you will never say such things. But as soon as you are hurt, then you just start walking freely. Mind the gap. Number nine. Leaders who are not prepared to be trained or retrained in the ministry. You have to be prepared to be trained and retrained. Especially if you came from Methodist to a church. Don't bring your Methodist things to the church. Yeah. You know, some of you, you are in the, maybe in a church and you, you, you miss your Methodism or you miss your Presbyterianism or miss your Catholicism. So you are trying to force a powerful church that you have joined to become like that church. Hey! Even me, sometimes we, we, we have hymns choir. I, I don't want the hymns choir to sing like Presbyterian people sing. Because we are not a Presbyterian church. Oh God, oh help in urges pause, oh hope for years to come. A shelter from the stormy blast and all eternal home. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why you are clapping. Ah, we will sing with our normal voice. Yes. All the days of my life, I want to gaze upon your beauty. All the days of my life, I want to gaze upon your beauty and seek you. Well, look, you are telling us. (laughs) You are not prepared to be retrained. You are forcing us into something we have run away from. Abba. Okay, sing it. Because I also sing, I like hymns. I know more hymns than most of you. Yes. We, we don't want to be retrained. It's like you want to stay as a Presbyterian in Lighthouse Chapel International or you are a, Presby, a Methodist in there. It's like you dear, you are a Methodist. Ah, then go back to Methodist. 
You are somebody, you are an elder in somebody's church. Either relocation brought you here or some kind of arrangement brought you to somebody else's church. You are in the church. Don't say, over where I was, we used to do this. And over there, we used to do this. And over there. Even if it's a good thing, you can't force it on us. You can be a pastor in somebody's church. If you come to my church, you are a member. You have to be retrained so that you catch the spirits of the house, the vision of the house, the emphasis of the house, the, the doctrines of the house, the principles of the house, the vision of the house. Yes. Number 10. Leaders who are not prepared to do menial jobs. You must be prepared to do anything you are asked to do. Don't be a big man. Number 11. A leader with a persistently stormy marriage. Hey, marital crisis that don't end. Before long, you see that it has eliminated you. Are you there still? Yes. Beautiful. Number 12. Leaders who are irritated and reactionary every time you correct them. Look, if you are going to do well, you need several corrections. Some of us were not corrected when we were growing up. So it's always a problem when someone is correcting you. You squeeze your face. When I was younger, if you like, squeeze your face when they are correct. They will correct the face you have made before the issue is also addressed. <laughs> because facial movements, they are all part of speaking and language and communication. Some of you don't cook. You can't cook. When you marry and the correction is coming, you see that you frown. I saw a lady the other day. We had had a program. She was going to sleep. I said, ah, won't you bath? He said, oh, no. I said, ah. You mean after this program, jumping, dancing, you are going to sleep? He says, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bath in the morning. I said, No. If you're a woman, a lady, you must bath at least two times. Oh, is it a problem here? Now, some of you don't like bathing. I once listened to an interview um, of... Um, Mami Dokno, do you know Mami Dokno? There's an, she used to be an actor in Ghana. And she was being interviewed. It's on YouTube, that's why I'm saying it. Because it's there, you can see it, it's there. She said it, I didn't say it. It was a public interview. And she was being interviewed by a lady called Delay. And the Delay woman asked her, are you going to marry again? She's 76. Are you going to marry? No, she's 72 or so. Are you going to marry again? She said, oh, me, marry? No! Hey, I should go and marry a man who come and tell me to bath in the evening. No. 
I was shocked. <laughs> Why can't we correct you? The difference between Saul and David was God said, You have sinned, Saul. Why have you spared the sheep? Why have you spared the king? He said, Not me, the people. They're reactionary. So you are reactionary. When they talk, you talk. One small meeting would take about two hours. Anytime a meeting takes more than two minutes, it means somebody is stubborn somewhere. And when you are reactionary, every time you are corrected, you always have a response. You always have a, a talking back. You always have a facial expression that is opposite and, 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 and opposite and rebellious to the one who is trying to correct you. Change your face. Change your style. Straighten your face. Number 13, a person who gives excuses and continually justifies himself. Yeah. Number 14, a person who does not keep his promises. Watch out for brothers who break one heart after the other. You say this one, I'll marry you. You tell this one to, I'll marry you. So both of them think that they are the ones. Not knowing that you are not serious. May God deliver you from it. A brother who does not keep his promises. People who make pledges. And never bring the envelope back. You promised... You lifted your hand. I'll give 1,000. It's been one year now. The 1,000 hasn't come. Number 15. A leader who is vying for promotion and recognition. Always forcing your way to the top. Always trying to come. And force your way. Yeah. I must be the one. I can do this. Why are they never making me? You see, one day I was in my office when a gentleman came. He said he was leaving the church. And I said, Are you sure you are not hurt? He said, Oh, I'm not hurt. It's just, I have, I've had three dreams. I was. I, I had a dream. In the dream, I was, there was a very big church. I was preaching in it. And the name of the church was not Lighthouse. So, in the, and it's not only me. My wife also had a similar dream. And then a friend of mine in America also had the same dream. So, I realized that God is leading me out of here. So, I said, okay. Are you sure you're not hurt? He said, oh, I'm not hurt. But anyway, as I go, I just want to ask one question. So, I said, ask. He said, why is it that I was never made a general overseer in my area? 
Ah, I said, oh, huh. So that is it. He said, oh, it's not it. I just wanted to know. <laughs> well, you are in the church. You think and you won't believe it. Within two weeks of leaving our church, he was consecrated as an apostle. He was consecrated as an apostle. Meanwhile, about a month earlier, we had had a consecration service where we had consecrated some people as apostles and bishops. And he was not one of them. So you realize that such a person, you know, just because of his always wanting to be up there, you see him always wanting to step out. That's why he stepped out on his own to just make himself an apostle. And I went to the church that day. I didn't even know he was going to be consecrated because he left the church and took about 95% of the members. So I went to the church where he left and it was a very sorry sight. Nobody to play instruments. The members were fewer than the instrumentalists. <laughs> So I left that church and walked to his church where he has time. But he told me that he would never take even one member from the church. So I told them, I've come, I, I told him I came to see whether it was true. But when I went, about 150 people were gathered there too to witness his consecration as an apostle. Watch out when you have such some you know some people are appointed pastors and you are sitting in the congregation, you tell us ah, so so when will they when will they make me a pastor? Some of us have been writing the exam, so we're writing now uh, when we almost passed, then they changed the system and we had passed so many exams before. Why are you vying for promotion and recognition? Allow promotion to find you. You are the same person who quotes that promotion does not come from the east, nor the west, nor the south, but God is judge. And that it is God who sets up one and puts down another. So how come that I've been in the church, they are not making me anything? You are vying for promotion and recognition. They make some people elders. Then it really changes your facial expression. You'll be sitting down there, you are very moody. When they are, okay, you wait. <laughs> a person who is an unknown factor. That means that he's not known. He just comes into the church. Some of you, so a lady can come to the church. Within two weeks, somebody has been lavedos there. Some brothers just can't wait. When you see the girl, you see her slimness. See the breasts. See the gluteus maximus. Bugsome majesty. Then suddenly all your prayers of five years have been answered by God. Hey! Then you tell yourself that this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh! And you won't tell anybody. You, you go visit her. 
propose to her. Give her a promising ring. Blow her. Hey! By the time we hear now, you have blown her more than 17 times. Somebody who just came to the church two weeks. And some pastors, some of us pastors are very happy when somebody who is, you don't know him properly, but he comes, oh, I just want to sing one song. Then they come. Onishe Iyana. Hey! By the time he finishes his song, the whole church is on the floor. Everybody is listening. Then he says, Wow. This is he of whom it was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> I will send my servant before you. Hey! And you wouldn't even ask yourself that where is this shining star from? That he's brought his Onisha Iyanu here. Where has he arrived from? Before you realize, next week he's the one leading your worship. And you don't know that he has already impregnated five people where he's coming from. That's why the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. That means that do not elevate people to the high office of leadership suddenly. Unknown factors are dangerous. Take your time on them. Let them sit around. He shouldn't be on stage yet. Get to know them. Find out. Recently I did auditions. I saw some people. Chile, they can sing. I mean, when they sang at the audition, some of my singers said, yeah, Bishop, you said it. You said that some people are coming to sing better than us. We are now seeing it. I said, relax. I don't know them. They can sing, but I don't know them. I got to know them. Yes. I want to know their striking distance. Yes. At what distance can they strike? Yes. Mm. And how many have they struck, strike, striking, stroking, stroking, king? Number 17, a person who has not been criticized. Check my time. Hmm. You didn't invite me, so when you say take your time, you better hold your breath. A person who has not been criticized before, watch out for them. Oh, me? I don't want, nobody has ever said any bad thing about me before. I'm very, hey! Then you have got a marker in your church. Somebody who is now coming to mark because nobody has said any bad thing. As soon as she hears or he hears something bad about you or the church, they start thinking that you are bad. Well, nobody has criticized them before. Hey! This ministry we are doing, by all means, somebody will say something about you. By all means. 
And those of you who don't like it when people say something about you, then it means you are not in the church. You can't be in the church. You have to join maybe um, a flight school or something. <laughs> Number 18. A person who does not say amen or smile whilst you are preaching. Pastors, look, be a master of the art of detection of these symptoms in people. Be a master at it. We are always looking at their faces. I'm always looking at people's faces. Always. When I'm preaching, that's why I would say, hey, brother, you are not, I can't see, you are not seeing well. Look. You see, but if you're a pastor, you see, sometimes you feel that when the anointing comes, you, you don't see men. You, you see angels. So you turn your head upwards. I mean, I tell you, the Lord is doing something great. I tell something is powerful. He's moving here in the name of... The people are not hanging up there. They are right in front of you. When you lift your head like that, you even know, you won't even know that most of them are asleep. Look at the faces of people. Check whether they are smiling when everybody is smiling. So let me tell you, look, even if you are not well, there's a way to smile when you are not well. If you have premenstrual stress, take evening primrose so that it lightens your mood or take some antidepressants. Because we are using it to detect whether you are with us or not. Julius Caesar, he looked at his people. He said, John Cassius, he has a lean and hungry look. He has a lean and hungry look. He said, such men are dangerous. <laughs> yes. Because the person is sitting in front of him. And sometimes, somebody's sleepiness is a sign that I don't like your preaching. You know, one day I heard one of our pastors, senior pastor, he went to visit one of the members who was criticizing him. He knew the guy was criticizing the church. Not only the senior pastor, but the whole church. In, one, in a certain country whose name has S in it. And would you believe it? The pastor went with files of things to explain. God was talking about the money. He doesn't know what they use the money for. The pastor was kind enough to take files of things to explain to the man what happens to the money. As he was explaining, the guy slept. In his house. 
He fell asleep. Not in the church. Oh. He went to the man's house. He was explaining. When, when he lifted his head to look at. So do you understand what I'm saying? The man was fast asleep. He was gone. I'm not interested. And he left the church too. Why do you even bother? Take your files to go and explain to somebody who has this characteristic. Don't bother. He won't even listen. And when you say it, he won't believe it. And when you explain with your, with, with your naked trousers and your bottles, you see that he will not believe it. Look at the panty I'm wearing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fuss. It's a, it's a bruni wewu. It's, it's a second hand. I bought it at Cantamanto. Look at it. Even I've used rope to tie it. No, it's not the church money that I'm eating. You, you look at my underwear. They won't even believe it. Anybody who doesn't say amen. amen. No, I'm not saying say amen. <laughs> I'm saying that when your pastor is preaching in the smallest church, because me, I've been in the church when we were just like a Bible study group. Sometimes Bishop would just take a chair, we'll sit in a circle, semicircle, or horseshoe, and he'll sit here and be, we'll be having Bible study all night. We'll be teaching us Bible study, small group. Even there, we nod. Then we say amen. Very good. Because you, 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 you encourage the preacher and you encourage the general system that what we are doing is a good thing. If you don't believe in your church, go out of the church. Find a church you can believe in and stay in that church with your heart. It's not by force. For you to be in a church, you don't like the pastor, you don't like the church. Always talking. Always criticizing. Why? The pastor doesn't preach well. You go to a place where the pastor preaches well. Ah, did he bring you to the church? Nonsense. Ah, I don't know who this person is. I would have beaten you physically and left to Ghana <laughs> before the police come for me. <laughs> now you are spoiling churches with this, your behavior. Because of your pastor cannot preach you. When he's coming, he's always under tension. You are there. Or when you come and sit in front or second row. Or third row. Then you look at him. What, do you, what are you going to say today too? Look, if you are in first love and a young person comes, 17 years, he says he's starting a first love church in your school. 17 years. Ah. Small boy. Small boys, don't they have sex? Don't they have sex? 16 years, don't they blow people? If 16 years can blow, why can they not preach? Don't they put uh, penis in their mouth? If they can put penis in their mouth, can they not hold a microphone?
and you relegate them, it's like, oh, these young people, you know, let them do them the youth service so that they don't disturb us here. You are, you are cutting out your creme de la creme that will come after you to make the church a great church. Young people can pastor, they can preach, they can teach. Yes. Give them microphone. Preach. You can do something. You can preach. Even if there's no microphone, preach with your voice. You are teaching, Bishop. Keep teaching. Since you can kiss a girl, bro, you can preach. You can say something from the Bible. <laughs> and when you come, whoever it is, when he stands there, Paul says, some people preach to add to my bonds. They are trying to preach so that I'll be, my sentence will be increased. And others are preaching Christ genuinely. He said, but what is it? Christ is being preached. Christ is being preached. Look, Islam is growing around us. So we must have younger people who are preaching. Me, I will encourage you. Let your young people start fellowships and churches and winning souls. They have energy. They are strong. They are powerful. They are, they are full of zeal and passion. And if you channel it for ministry, great things will happen. And when they are preaching, say amen. Even if you are older, if you are older and a younger person, don't say, oh, this inexperienced boy, what does he have to say? No, 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 no. Say amen. amen. Preach. When he says something that is a bit off, we say, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> My God. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. It will fall back in line. Brother, keep preaching. Because even older people make mistakes. Jack, take your time. Older people make mistakes. Older people too are not perfect. Older people too sleep when they are praying. So when you see somebody who is preaching, trying to do something, brother, encourage the person. Preach on. What a word. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm being blessed. What a word. It's too powerful. It's too great. Yes. Say amen always. Clap your hands when they are preaching. Stand. No, no, I'm not saying clap. I'm, I'm saying that when somebody is preaching, clap your hands. Stand up. Move around. What a word. If people are coming forward, don't say that. Oh, what all this? Me, I prefer come forward, shout, clap. I prefer it. I preach at so many churches. Hey. One day I, I went to preach somewhere. My people say, hey, this place, they don't say amen, no. And, and they are also receiving. You see, they are receiving, but they are elderly. So elderly and so retired in, at work and everywhere that it's not now that they are coming to do adventures. Say amen. When, when anybody, I don't, it's not because this person is preaching. Anybody who is preaching, I stand up. I, I want to encourage the preacher I want to receive from him. And I want to also learn something. So I want to encourage. You are preaching. It's a good message. I'll stand up. What a word. Fold my arms. What 
the word. Powerful. You are preaching. Preach on. When he says, turn your Bible to, I turn my Bible. You see, but a lot of people don't have that participatory democracy and participatory, you know, it's like this type of, you preach, then I preach, you preach, then I preach. It's like, as you are preaching, somebody is also preaching to help the preaching. I once had a prophet who was preaching just behind my house. They, 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 had, they were doing some kind of all night. Hey, I've never seen some before. The man preached the same preaching side by side. God is going to bless you. God is going to bless you. This evening, this evening. I mean, as if he was interpreting, but he was speaking the same language. God will make you great. God will make you great. You'll never be the same after tonight. You'll never be the same after tonight. Turn your Bible to James. Turn your Bible to James. I mean, he followed the man to the very end. I was just excited in my, 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 my room. Watch out for, especially if you have leaders. They sit in front. They sit behind. You preach. They don't stand. They don't clap. They don't smile. Hey! Something may be inside you. Aha, number nine, 19. A person who does not take notes when you are preaching. Please, when you go home, watch out for these signs. If you don't, and the person manifests in a way that destroys your heart, you only say that the man said it all. I don't know why. I, he was always in the church. When I preach, he never writes notes. Even when I say, underline this verse, he will underline. Verse 2, you underline. And because of the screen, the verse comes on the screen. Most people don't even bring Bibles to church. It's like they'll give it to us on the screen. Now, songs is on the screen. Uh, Bible 2 is on the screen. Uh, announcement is on the screen. Summary of the preaching is on the screen. So, your notes are on the screen. Your songs are on the screen. Your Bible is on the screen. Your wedding announcement is on the screen. Hey! So, you just come and sit there. That's why some of you sleep. And it's a bad thing to sleep in a church. So those who are sitting in front, I was watching us. You were not taking notes. I was wondering to myself, these people, they haven't seen this point. That's why they are not writing notes. Oh, but I can see you are receiving. You are receiving. And of course, it's even in the book. So if you have the book, you just take the book and sometimes you may jot a few things on the side. So I appreciate it, you know. I can see your Macarius 60 is sitting down, so that's too powerful. But by now, you should have taken the book so that you can be seeing what is happening. My God. God is blessing your ministry. God is making you a living wonder. Your church is going from strength to strength. Your anointing is increasing from strength to strength. Those who laughed at you, they will celebrate you. Clap your hands for Jesus. A person who is not 
faithful in another man's work. Watch out for people who are not faithful in another man's work. Father, we thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name. A person who is not faithful in another man's work. My time is just finished, so I'm just going to. No, 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 no. Don't worry. It's in the book already. I'm just showing you. These are the things. When you don't do them, you don't know that you are eliminating yourself from the queue of people who are being anointed. You may, you may receive the handkerchief of the anointed man or have him slap you with his hand. But it takes following with your heart and eliminating these signs and symptoms for you to be on the right track. 21, the last one for tonight. or to, Last but one. A person who does not pay tithes A lot of leaders don't pay tithe. So me in my church, I made a whole list. I said, look, all these people say they are leaders. Bring me their tithe records. Come and see. January didn't pay. February didn't pay. March didn't pay. May, April paid. May paid. June didn't pay. I said, hey, brother, come, 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 come. What is this I see? Is it that they have made a mistake or that this is the true picture? If you don't do that, you will know the people who are some way in your system. Everybody shouting, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see all the people who are standing here. If we check their tithe records, you see that some people don't pay tithe. As for standing, we cannot stand. And as for clapping, we cannot clap. Because the way you say that if you don't clap, you are an orangu. So I will clap so that they won't say I'm an orangu. But the tithe there, you don't think that people can see it. One day I, I, I took a record like that. I looked at the people. One of my pastors, a reverend, was not paying. He didn't pay. May he didn't pay. February didn't pay. He, pre- he paid something and I asked, is this your tithe? He said, no, it's not my tithe. <laughs> because it's, it's not the right amount. <laughs> it's not the right amount. When I was moving to my new church, He said he was coming to see me in the office. I said, oh, come. He said, oh, he, the Lord is leading him to, um, into a new line of ministry. So I said, what is that? So he wants to concentrate on writing books and evangelism. I said, but what have we been doing in the church? <laughs> we are always sending you Saturdays for outreach. What, what, what does that one mean? He said, oh, um, this one is new. And that he, he wants to concentrate on it. That's okay. No problem. Because I, I, in my heart, I know I've not done. You have so many difficulties. One had tried to bring you out of all of them. So, by God's grace, as far as you are concerned, my hands are clean. It was later I heard from his wife. Her, his wife sending a text to her brother. And the brother forwarded the text to me. Yes. Hey. 
<laughs> me, me, Bishop Edward Nilante Okunkable Buje. I am building the new church and I don't want him to come there. So I've asked him to start a branch where he lives. And because I don't want him to follow me, I've decided that he should start a branch where he lives. And I said, ah, it doesn't make sense. So a demon is working here somewhere. Because it doesn't make sense. So many people have sent, you go to Amra here, you go here, you go here. You, because of your financial difficulties, don't travel and come to where. Because your house is far and your house is inside, inside the inside, on the inside, around the inside, through the inside, by the inside, of the inside, between the inside, on the inside, at the inside. I mean, the day I went to visit him, I said, no, you can't stay here because the house is not good at all. Building your own house. You haven't finished. You are living in it. No doors, no windows. I was there when I saw a big, you see that Agama Lisa, is the one with the red head, was working on their stove. Then I took a decision that, no, you people, no, this, no, you can't stay here again. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, you know, but it was funny. A gamma lizard is walking on your stove as it is sitting on some table somewhere. It's like the place is too free. Even snakes can come to your room. No doors, no windows, half roofed. So I said, no, you can't stay here. Come out and go get a place. I made some brethren organize. And move. So now you have moved to your own house. You still haven't finished. It's far. Stay there and start a branch around you so that your movements are limited to help your financial work. In my heart of hearts, that is it. If you cut my heart open, you see that that's what is there. And today you are telling me that I don't want you to go to this new church we are building. That's why I want you to start a branch. And because of that, it's like, okay, then you are going your somewhere. when I checked the records he was not paying tithe so even he has stopped paying tithe for some time but it was as I detected it I realized that oh okay so that's the case so now the person is leaving then you see that in the heart there are all these rumblings in the background so watch out when you have things that have tightened you up they had a meeting. They didn't call you. They said, oh, pastors from Birmingham. Then it's like so for some reason your name was even left out. Yes. Or they say, all oh, shepherds of this, you come. All oh, basenta leaders, this. Everything you eliminated. Then suddenly you feel that they don't like you. Watch out for such people. So monitor the giving of people. It may tell you something more serious. Don't be shy. Jesus looked at the people when they were giving offering, brother. Don't be, you are most, no more spiritual than Jesus. He checked the givings of the people and said that this man, he has a lot of money. Look at what he's giving. This widow doesn't have anything. She's giving everything she has. 
Jesus looked inside the offering. Brother, look inside the offering. You'll see the people who are not with you. And finally, leaders who don't attend certain meetings. Anytime you have a meeting, some people do not attend. Mark them. Watch out for them. Always with an excuse. But it still doesn't make them come. And you watch when there are other things that they are able to attend. Yes. You're able to go and watch World Cup Finals. But when we have shepherds meeting at 3 o'clock on Sunday, you say that one, you can't come. It is because of my work. Because of certain things I am doing at my workplace. That is why I cannot make it. And it is because of, you are not serious. So for Clement, watch out for people who don't attend certain meetings. Say you are a leader or you want to be a leader. We are training you. You won't come for the training. And yet you want us to elevate you to the high office of leadership in the church. You don't know anything to. You know nothing. And you are the people who will not come for the training. And by the time we finish, you see that you are empty still. Just come with a certain, oh, okay, so, uh, uh, so, um, what are they saying? You don't know what they are saying. And, and you want your mouth to be put inside the meeting. Watch out for people who don't attend certain meetings. This was Judas. Every time there was an excuse that he's doing something with the finances, Jesus has sent him, he's on an errand, knowing that, no, he's not on an errand. He's meeting the Pharisees. He's meeting the elders. He's, he's in a meeting. Cry. He said, you are not at the evening service. Something, something, it was working. So, no, but you are in the girl's house. You are in the girl's house. You just turn off your phone so that you're out of coverage area. But if we really we were to follow you, we will see that when we knock on the door, you are inside. Many excuses of not attending meetings are flimsy. Father, we thank you. Lift your hand. Take out any seed of Uranguism and disloyalty from our hearts and make us true servants of the living God to serve you and to do your will. For everyone in this meeting, may we follow on to the very end. Like Elisha followed to the very end. May all these signs and symptoms be eliminated from our hearts. And may we be the true servants of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands. You may be seated.